Hi guys and welcome to Beer Bubbles podcast. This episode is one that you weren't allowed to be with us on. Rasmus. Yeah, I know. God damn it. I was working so I didn't have the chance to join you at Nilesham's Ombrygge. Yep, last Saturday I was there uh, and I did an interview with Andrew Colley, brewer at Nilesham's Ombrygge. Yeah, and you also did a live stream with them. Yes, and a YouTube clip which is coming up now. At the same time as a podcast. So uh, stick around and listen to the podcast. And do check out the YouTube channel as well. And our social media. <laughs> Andrew, wh- what the hell are you doing and why am I here? Huh? Well, uh, Andrew, uh, Robert, if you want the middle name. Bob for short, Collie. Uh, I'm one of the brewers here. I make some of the beer. Well, an excellent beer you make. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And we're at the uh, Nina's Hamsong Brigadi. We should say that as well. Yeah, we are. We're, we're at home. We've got our first visitor in, um, well, since the start of the <laughs> pandemic. Thanks for coming down. We're, we're distant. We're on either side of the bar. Yeah. Well, you're on the inside and I'm on the outside for once. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Usually it's the other way around. Yeah. yeah? So, uh, Nina's Hamsong Brigadi, uh, tell me a bit about the brewery. It started in 1998, I think. Seven. 97, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, it started as, I guess, a local beer club. Before that, um, was where the... Like a beer shack. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's there's an interesting mural of photos downstairs in a hidden room um, of the building of that. It's it's pretty interesting. But yeah, so it was a beer club there and they had a little list of of beers to tick off, if you like. Probably quite a pioneer in that sense, I guess, in in Sweden, certainly, Mm -hmm. to try different beers from other places other than that that typical uh, cheap, clear lager of, of no flavour. So, uh, yeah. And then, uh, of course, one thing leads to another, and a, I guess it was a drunken conversation somewhere. Yeah, let's make some beer. Claude Grabmanas called Bryggeri. As it still yeah. says on, on your delivery delivery notes, of course, the boys should have a brewery. Yes, hmm? the boys should have a brewery. So, yeah, they, they got some gear and started making some beer, and... Uh, the Beardaro Bitter was the very first one. Against all those lagers when they went and pitched it to people or took it to a beer festival, it was really considered extreme beer back then. Extreme, extreme beer. I know. Um, I, I, I remember the first time I tried a Beardaro Bitter because Thomas uh, Hansen, yeah. one of the founders of, of Nina's Ham, he walked into uh, my little pub that I worked, the old Beef Eater Inn, uh, with a couple of Lansort lagers and a couple of uh, Beardaro Bitters. And he said, uh, we just started a brewery, try some of our beers. And I just started importing British beers to the pub. And to me, Swedish beers were absolute shite. Or everything tasted the same. And I thought, Swedish breweries can't make beer. And then we closed down for the night. I cleaned down the bar, sent everyone home. And I sat and I had a beer, a bitter. And it was like a mule's kick to the face. And I was like... This can't be Swedish beer. It's good. Uh, and then I rang in my first order the day after to, to Thomas. And customer number three. I think I was customer number three. I don't know. I, I might be. It's a, it's a good story. Let's yeah, go well, with it's that. a good story. <laughs> like most stories when it comes to beer, it, it, a good story is worth keeping to. Yeah. <laughs> but you came here. Uh, yeah, a long time after that. Uh, we came to we came to Sweden about five years ago and... Um, yeah, I started here packing some boxes. It was was my foot in the door, you might say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, my my lovely better half Astrid, uh, is a 
medical doctor of research. And uh, yeah, she found the dream job over here and I tagged along, you might say, uh, and definitely landed on my feet here with, with Nina's arms. It was a really good fit, I think. So. Well, as I said in the YouTube clip, it's the best brewery in Sweden. So Yeah. You know, I, 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 asked, I knocked on a lot of other doors first, but uh, it, was, it was pretty funny, actually. We had, I came, we, we turned up in Sweden on the, uh, on the start of June. And as you know, like then we, we, we took a bit of weeks to find our feet and everything like that. And then when I started actually work, looking for a job was in July. And you know how everything's open and functioning in July in Sweden? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> if they answered the phone, it was pretty much like, we don't even want to think about that until September. So, yeah, it was a, it was a relaxing first few months in Sweden. <laughs> but then you ended up here. Yeah. And your capacity here now is... Uh, yeah, I, I, I look after the production, I guess. Uh, I, I, I do the planning for that and everything like that and make sure everyone's doing their, their job in, in production. So, mm. yeah. Um, and now in pandemic times, everyone has to pitch in and help out in the brewery as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we even, we even have help from, uh, from marketing, marketing mm-hmm. Marcus and Carpenter Pella, uh, <laughs> down in the filling. They help out, um, a couple of days a week or something like that. So, yeah, running a tight ship, you might say. Mm-hmm. But but it's it's gone well, even though it is we are traveling through a pandemic. It's it's not catastrophe. It's no. It's I think we're we're I don't know whether you'd call it lucky um, that we had such a good share. It wasn't just restaurant customers for us. We were also had a good share of our business in through the Balagat and Swedes got a drink right. Yeah. So uh, well, so Stimulog <laughs> has gone up like. 400% the last year so yeah so we, we, we're, we're still a little bit behind where we were the year before we were just looking to cross that million litre mark in the year and then and then the pandemic happened but uh, we're still down a little bit but but doing a lot better than a lot of other breweries I know that were very reliant on restaurants you got some new really interesting beers coming up you've tweaked the summary a little bit um, no the, the summary I should probably It'll, the, the summer ale will taste the same. This year we, we've tweaked the uh, Dregets, okay, yeah. uh, the double IPA. The the Stenstrand, the summer ale is, is pretty much the same. We've we've our tweaks have been really just to make sure make a more stable beer. But uh, that's that's what we we gave you a little sample of earlier. And this is recorded two weeks in advance of when the podcast is actually coming out. Mm-hmm. And in two weeks, you won't have too long. To wait until there's a new really exciting beer coming out as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, the the years the that Andreas has done. Yeah, yeah. Andreas Klassman, um, uh, his little baby this year is. Uh, we've got a Rauch beer in the pipeline. Um, very true to style. Decoction brewing. Um, that, in its own sense, is 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 something that we're we're pretty happy we can do here. Um, it's. Uh, it's always a fun brew day, actually, because two of us have to. It only works if you do the early shift with the decoction. You can't. You can only really usually fit one brew after that, and uh, two of us need to be here because it's manually switching on a pump, and it's literally the other guy holding a stick, a measuring stick, and telling, "Okay, stop the pump," and <laughs> then we have to turn it around and send it back. So decoction, for those that don't know, is 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 the old German way of like raising the temperature in the mash process. So you uh, you have a temperature, and you need to take a portion of that across and boil it and uh, that boiling and then putting it back together equals the raise in temperature that you're looking for and there's probably something like a Maillard reaction in there and some burning of sugars that happens and the enzymes get burnt off uh, that were in that boiling portion and go back and so yeah there's lots of temperatures and complexity that go into uh, the sugars in those beers um, so they're super fun to do 
they're super fun to drink, but <laughs> they're so complex. But they're uh, on, the, on the brewing side, it's always an early morning and then doing this maths for the decoction. And it's almost, uh, it's actually, it's usually Andreas and I. And it's usually quite a funny little thing where we actually, uh, we, uh, we scratch it because it's five o'clock in the morning and we don't do these decoctions every day. It's only for the really special German lagers that we do. Uh, the Bock Earl that we did recently, for example, uh, and the Schwartz beer, which we do with the Zoom restaurant, Zoom, yep. Zoom Franciscana in town. Um, that's double decoction as well. And then this one, and it's always funny. We grab the brew sheet and then we look at the, at the maths that we need to do and we scratch our head. And we're just like, we'll just go and get the last decoction brew and look at that and cheat. Because <laughs> it's too early in the morning. It made total sense during the day when we did the maths, but uh, you need to do the, the maths for the volumes live. Yeah, and the, the book girl was actually featured in a, a YouTube clip not too long ago, together with Oria Messenun. Yep. The Schwarzbeer, we haven't talked about yet. I'm probably going to try it again when I go to Sum Franciscana next yeah. time. Uh, Stena does great things with his German-style beers. But that style, we also talked we to- also talked about old styles in the YouTube clip. But we can go into it a bit more in-depth now. You really think old styles are coming back big time? Whether it's a comeback or not, it's working for us. Because you are kind of a traditional brewery. You don't, you don't do the craziest stuff. No, no. Um, I, I think there's... There's certainly, it's, it's easy to overthink things and try and make things too complex. But I think if you, if you stick with the ingredients and how you brew it, um, and you can make complexities that way is, 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 is more than enough. It's to be enjoyed in itself. Yeah. I think, uh, we had the conversation about beer there being the extreme beer. And now it's like a simple, uh, it's, it's like a come, people are coming around full circle and coming back to this as a sessionable beer that they can enjoy or a palate cleanser at the end of the evening and, I think those those beers are really important mm-hmm. and not getting hung up on new trends that were because there's so much history in old beers that have you know you know been forgotten definitely uh, I think we've seen quite a few Bock Earls actually come out this year and I think ours came out at the same time coincidentally as a few other breweries mm-hmm. and um, yeah I think we think we came out on top in a lot of the reviews which was nice but uh, <laughs> it's there, there is a little bit of a trend I think with a few of the breweries the breweries that can do it and if you can do decoction brewing I think for us is is our our trump card because it's it's hard to do pumping mash back and forth. Mm-hmm. You need two vessels and you can't be brewing anything else around it. So, but um, but you know what? Let's have a new beer. Uh, you know what I want? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not that hard uh, to please. Put a beer in front of me and I'm happy. That's good. You you might have to bring some uh, gravity poured beer down to Bruce Gaval as well. I'll, I'll be sure to drink all. No, that no, no, no. We can't do gravity. Well, we can do cask, but you can't do. You can't put it in a German gravity keg. You can't. Why? Because it's an ale. Uh, but you can. You've got to play by the rules if you're doing true to start. Oh, come on. <laughs> we can cheat a bit. You do that every time you do the cocktail beer. What? You cheat a bit. We cheat a bit. Yeah. Oh, we look you at, look the, at the, old we look the old maths. Yeah, yeah. Then you can <laughs> cheat by bringing just. One small keg of better a bit today. I reckon cheating on the maths is actually traditional. It probably is. <laughs> <laughs> the future for Nina Samsung Brigade. I know it's it's a really hard question now uh, in these times mm. to say what what we're going to do in five years because no one knows what happens next month. Yeah, but um, long term plans. I think we. I think. 
we have we gather so much respect from doing what we do where we do things true to style and just try and find that old world connection to beer we have so much respect for, i think from the industry and our punters for that reason that i think we just keep going down that road like it's there's, it's it's not like it's a short road and we're already at the at the end of the rabbit hole. And there's also a few old styles you haven't explored yet. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we did like a dark bock this year. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm interested in doing trying to do like a uh, and, and and I mean even that the different box and traditional locations and really nerding out on uh, water profiles as well as yeast as well as traditional malt that they would have used in that area. If we go back before, they could, you know, move malt around the country, around the world, like we do now. Have you thought about a Gretzer? I don't know a Gretzer. Gretzer is um, old Northern German style with smoked wheat malt. Ah, smoked. I've yeah. It's it's like it's a style that actually died out about a hundred years ago, and then there was a brewery in, uh, I think, Ohio called Shock, who did a Gretzer and a Gorsa, and that really. Took the Gorsa out to uh, to the public again because that was a dead beer style before that as well. Yeah, that's that's had a comeback for sure. That sounds mm. interesting. Mm. Mm. Gretzer is so it's it's uh, made with smoked wheat malt, which the only malter I know that does it is Weimann. Yeah, and they do it only on order. I had a I had a webinar with Castle this week, last week, mm. and they've maybe they've got a, a smoked wheat now. I'm not sure. Uh, I have to look through my notes, but they had—they've uh, been doing some really interesting things. They—they uh, went into lockdown in the pandemic, and they said, "Okay, what are we going to do if we've got nothing to do?" So they've—they've uh, they've actually put themselves the challenge, and they've now done it. They've got a hundred different types of malt. So <laughs> the whole—the whole lockdown process has meant that we've got more malts to play with. They've filled in all the gaps with the color ranges with their their malt. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I'd like to do a dark wheat beer one one time yeah, as well. Why not? Don't I think that's, yeah. Yeah, there's there's so much to go. I make I, I brewed a beer back in Australia on that uh, that uh, that technical school, and my beer that I did that got a, actually a silver medal at the Australian International Beer Awards. Um, that was that was a Dutch beer that nobody's heard of. Okay. Even the Dutch haven't really heard of anymore. It's called a coit, and it's in the beer style guidelines. Mm. Uh, and it's got three spellings in the beer style guidelines because nobody's sure which one's right. <laughs> Um, and that was a really interesting one. It's it's like uh, a lot of rye, a lot of wheat, and a lot of pale malt, almost in three portions. And um, if you grab the glass of beer and take it, everybody loved the beer. Mm-hmm. But if you saw it on the shelf, it would probably be, without seeing an award attached to it, yeah. people probably wouldn't buy it. Because uh, people wouldn't know what it was. Yeah. And it had such a such a funny history behind it. The beer style guideline has something like an alcohol, an ABV range, something like five up until eight <laughs> so it's oh, all, no, maybe it's even four until eight or something okay, like that. Yeah. So I end up at six point eight, and it was something that didn't taste hot at all. It was just like a total sinker, sessionable pilsner to, to drink. One that, one that will fool you into getting drunk way too fast. Yeah, well, that was part of the history. So this because this alcohol range happened because they had the Dutch made this beer called a coit, and then there was like a tax that came in on it. So they started making a a, a, a weaker coit, and then there was riots. There was actual riots about this beer back in the 1500s. So they started making a stronger one as well as a weaker one. But they were still both called coit. And it was a bit confusing. And if you were walked into a new town's bar, apparently, and didn't know which one you were ordering, you could easily like, get carried out in the wheelbarrow or the wagon or whatever they had at the time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was interesting that it's, it's such a history behind this beer and it's almost forgotten today. So 
Yeah, the rabbit hole's still very deep. Quake East? Quake East. Quake Yeast, very much oh. in, in vogue right now. Is that something you've looked at? Is that the one that's not actually a yeast? Well, it's, it's a Norwegian farmhouse yeast, yeah. basically. Ferments warm, really warm and really fast. Mm. Loads of IPAs done with Quake right now. I don't know if it's part of Nina Sam's thing to go down the that rabbit hole of like. But it's an old, old, old style. It's an it old an Norwegian old farmhouse. Yeah, but sour's old, old as well. But we're, we probably won't go down that road yeah. ever. And you get a bit of tartness with a quick, quick yeast as well. So yeah, it's a new thing for us to have to control. I don't want to go and say because I mean, we, we everyone in the brewery appreciates Cantadon, for example. Mm. We've got a really good relationship with Sean there, and mm. and uh, you know, I've gone for a brew day with him. But they do sour beers, you don't. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's yeah. I think I think we stick to Saccharomyces yeast. Um, I think that's 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 our path forward, definitely. I remember Anders, the brewmaster at the first brewmaster at Carnegie. Mm? He went to a uh, anniversary party at Sigtuna, and he brought a spray bottle with him, with water in it, but it written Brett on it. So it went around <laughs> the entire brewery spraying this water. And the brewers all thought it was really funny. And then the Galatea people came in and went ballistic because they thought he was there to destroy their brewery. <laughs> it was like, oh, chill, man. It's just for fun. Because <laughs> if you, if you know brewing, uh, you know that if you have a brewery that does not have Brettanomyces in it, you don't want it near your brewery. No. But if you use Brettanomyces, that is what you brew with. Yeah. I think it's down, down one pub or the other. And I think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, I know there's, I know there's heaps of good breweries out there that do, do, do both and, and do mm. it, do it quite well. Brickery, it does both. Mm. And they do it well. Yeah. But they actually have like a transfer sluice between, between their dirty brewery and the clean brewery. So. Yeah. And then there's, there's, yeah, and then you can go down to places like, actually, um, one of the guys that was at uh, Brasserie de la Seine, mm-hmm. Yol, uh, he's just started his Brasserie de la Mule, I think it's, I'm probably, okay, yeah. I'm probably screwing up the French <laughs> pronunciation on that, but I know he did a couple of seasons with Cantillon to, to get a feel for that, as well as his background in de la Seine, and he's, he's going to be doing a bit of both, and it's oh, in cool. a very small space. Uh, it's in an old train station or something, I think. Okay. Warehouse, I think. So uh, he'll, he'll be doing both, and I, I'd have pretty good confidence in him. But talking about both. yeast, yeah, we're not drinking bitter bitter. Yep. The yeast is kind of special. Yeah, it's our yeast. Yeah. It's our house yeast. No one else uses it. No, we keep what we have. I'm not sure which came first. It was before my time. The the chicken leg, with the, we got the yeast from somewhere or whether it just evolved in the brewery. But we, we now put it in the bank in the UK and get a small sample out every month and culture that up. Uh, that's our yeast, yeah. It's uh, for all of our, most of our ales. Um, there's a couple that we, we, we leave it out, the really strong ones, but most of our core range. But in Indian Viken? Indian Viken. Uh, I would say all the English. Better. You don't do all anymore, do you? No. But that did that have the but, same yeast culture as well? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I think so. <laughs> I think so. It was a while ago. The Ankerudan? Uh, the Ankerudan, no. We uh, use that now with a London ale yeast, 1318. Uh, I was using a California ale, and then we wanted a slightly different profile on it, and we went with London also because it's a part of the Commonwealth. <laughs> so we're just nerding out on the specs again. So, yeah, London ale. That's probably what came out on the first fleet. So It became a bit nerdy here, but uh, I hope you... 
indulges on that and I hope you like that. Uh, if you don't, well, listen to the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your favorite beer in your core line right now? Core range. In your range, I don't, if you look at your entire range then. but I'm, I'm totally biased because the, the recent Bockel, the Bruxviken, was my little baby. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be my most proud beer that I've, I've ever, ever been involved in. So uh, I'd, I'd definitely go with that. Hopefully it comes back one day. Yep. Yeah. So do I because it was absolutely fantastic, I mm. tell you. I only have one more question for you. But this might be the hardest question to anyone who works with beer. And this is the final beer. You're on your deathbed. Oh. You can have one more. Which one would you have? Oh, jeepers. You can have You can have a, a, a minute to think about it. And yeah. We'll say cheers. And cheers to you guys as well. I've got We've got Marcus and Frederick here from the brewery as well. I'd probably like to think it would be like a really clean, old... Okay, give me a beer. English one ale beer. that's been in a barrel for a bloody long time. One brand, one special beer. One brand and one special it's a, beer. It's oh, a tough question. Because, it is. But it is the only tough question I'm going to ask my, you. My, all, all of my thinking suddenly goes through our range, I guess, yeah. of beers. But, uh, but are you like thinking Thomas Hardy or... Yeah, I think... I think I've missed the boat on the Thomas. I, I'd, I'd like to say someone like Thomas Hardy. It's a really interesting story behind that that beer. But uh, I think all of the samples that are out there. I mean, we've got a stash downstairs here, so I've I've had one or two here, and I feel like they're all too old, and I missed the boat, and I never tasted one at their prime. They're all gone a little bit to the soy sauce kind of flavors. Mm-hmm. I'd kind of like something like that, uh, fresh or fresher, fresher, and having been on some oak for a really long time and not not something kind of like we spoke about barrels downstairs and what we're doing with some of the some of the stuff we're having it's not about the the spirit that was in the barrel before like a lot of places do they grab some bourbon barrels freshly emptied and put some stout or something in it and go yep that's fantastic it hides all the flaws in our beer sorry (laughs) Um, but uh but if you could do something that is is along the lines of a barley wine uh, or a wee heavy Scottish kind of ale or something like that. And if you could do something that was sitting on the timber and the, the reaction that the oak has with the timber rather than what was in the barrel before it and it sat there for like a good year in barrel, I think that would be, yeah, that would be a that would be a last hurrah. But it would be like barley wine style, not imperial stout. No, not a stout, not a stout. No, an, an ale that you could still see through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Andrew, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in the podcast. And... We're going to move on to doing a bit of live broadcast in half an hour or so. Have a great day, and I'm well. I'm just going to say cheers. Yeah, this cheers. has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks, CC. I mean, it's it's super fun. Like I said at the start, it's super fun to have somebody else in the brewery for a change. We uh, <laughs> we kind of at the first point we uh, when it first happened, we were like, oh, "Great, no more tours. They're out of our way. They're not in our way down in production." But. Uh, yeah, maybe it's time to have some people back in the bar soon. Thank you very much. And don't forget to watch out our YouTube channel, our live broadcasts, and the other podcasts that we have done. Take care. Bye. Well, that is it for this time. Sounds like you had a great time. It was fantastic. Perfect. And hey, guys, don't forget to go to the YouTube channel, subscribe, like, and comment. Follow us on our social medias, Beer Bubbles. And until next time, drink better beer. beer.